Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we're going to read chapters 76 to 78. In the previous episode, we read chapters 74 to 75, I believe. And in the previous episode, we followed up on Hazel and Leo specifically. And as they were fighting Clidius, so to speak, they were able to open the doors of death and out came out Percy and Annabeth. Obviously, they're in no condition to be able to fight, uh considering they went through potentially five stages of life. Maybe even more than that already. So, we'll have to see how exactly they're going to hold up. But at the moment, Hazel and Clidius are, with the help of Hecate, are all helping um, defeat Clidius. Um, And yeah, they're really trying their best. And at the end of the uh, chapter, we also ended up finding out that Jason, Piper... And Frank, I believe that's all of them, and Nico, um, they all were able to finally come and help out with the fight. So now we're going to read chapter 76 and see how the fight is going down, and hopefully some good things happen. So chapter 76, Hazel. Hazel almost felt sorry for Clidius. They attacked him from every direction, Leo shooting fire at his legs, Frank and Piper jabbing at his chest, Jason flying into the air and kick him in the face. Hazel was proud to see how well Piper remembers her sword fighting lessons. Each time the giant smoky veil started creeping around one of them, Nico was there, slashing through it, drinking in the darkness with his Stygian blade. Percy and Annabeth were on their feet, looking weak and dazed, but their swords were drawn. When did Annabeth get a sword, and what was it made of? Ivory? They looked like they wanted to help, but there was no need. The giant was surrounded. Clidius snarled, turning back and forth as if he couldn't wait which one of them to kill first. Wait! Hold still! No! Ouch! The darkness around him dispelled completely, leaving nothing to protect him except his battered armor. Iker oozed from a dozen wounds. The damage healed almost as fast as it was inflicted, but Hazel could tell the giant was tiring. One last time, Jason flew at him, kicking him at the chest, and the giant's breastplate shattered. Clidius staggered backward, and his sword dropped to the floor. He fell to his knees, and the demigods encircled him. Only then did Hecate step forward. Our torches raised. Mist curled around the giant, hissing and bubbling as it touched his skin. And so it ends, Hecate said. It does not End. Clidius's voice echoed from somewhere above, muffled and slurred. My brethren have risen. Gaia waits only for the blood of Olympus. It took all of you together to defeat me. What will you do when the Earth Mother opens her eyes? Hecate turned her torches upside down. She thrust them like daggers at Clidius's head. The giant's hair went up faster than dry tinder, spreading down his head and across his body, until the heat of the bonfire made a hazel wince. Clidius fell without a sound, face first in the rubble of Hades' altar. His body crumbled to ashes. For a moment, nobody spoke. Hazel heard a ragged, painful noise and realized it was her own breathing. Her side felt like it had been caked with a battering ram. The goddess Hecate faced her. You should go now, Hazel, Levesque. Lead your friends out of this place. Hazel gritted her teeth, trying to hold in her anger. (sighs) Just like that? No, thank you. No, 
Good work? The goddess tilted her head. Gail the weasel chittered. Maybe a goodbye, maybe a warning, and disappeared in the folds of her mistress's skirt. You look in the wrong place for gratitude, Hegarty said. As for good work, that remains to be seen. Speed your way to Athens. Cladius was not wrong. The giants have risen, all of them stronger than ever. Gaia is on the very edge of waking. The Feast of Hope will be poorly named unless you arrive to stop her. The chamber rumbled. Another Stella crashed to the floor and shattered. The house of Hades is unstable, Hegarty said. Leave now. We shall meet again. The goddess dissolved. The mist evaporated. She's friendly, Percy grumbled. The others turned toward him and Annabeth, as of just realizing they were there. Dude! Jason gave Percy a bear hug. Back from Tartarus! Leo whooped. That's my peeps! Piper threw her arms around Annabeth and cried. Frank ran to Hazel. He gently folded his arms around her. You're hurt, he said. Your rib's probably broken, she admitted. But Frank, what happened to your arm? He managed to smile. Long story. We're alive. That's what matters. She was so giddy with relief, it took her a moment to notice Nico. Standing by himself, his expression full of pain and conflict. Hey, she called to him, beckoning with her good arm. He hesitated, then came over and kissed her forehead. I'm glad you're okay, he said. The ghosts were right. Only one of us would have made it to the doors of death. You, you would have made dad proud. She smiled, cupping her hand gently to his face. We couldn't have defeated Clidius without you. She brushed her thumb under Nico's eye and wondered if he'd been crying. She wanted so badly to understand what was going on with him, what had happened to him over the last few weeks. After all they'd just been through, Hazel was more grateful than ever to have a brother. Before she could say that, the ceiling shuddered. Cracks appeared in the remaining tiles. Columns of dust spilled down. We've got to get out of here, Jason said. Oh, Frank? Frank shook his head. I think one favor from the dead is all I can manage today. Wait, what? Hazel asked. Piper raised her eyebrows. Your unbelievable boyfriend called in a favor as a child of Mars. He summoned the spirit of some dead warriors, made them lead us here through, um, well, I'm not sure, actually. The passages of the dead? All I know is that it was very very dark. To their left, a section of the wall split. Two ruby eyes from the carved stone skeleton popped out and rolled across the floor. We'll have to shadow travel, Hazel said. Nico winced. Hazel, I can barely manage that with only myself with seven more people. I'll help you. She tried to sound confident. She never shadow traveled before and had no idea if she could. But after working with the mist, altering the labyrinth, she had to believe it was possible. Everyone grab hands, Nigo yelled. They made a hasty circle. Hazel envisioned the Greek crunchy side above them. The cavern collapsed and she felt herself dissolving into shadow. They appeared on the hillside overlooking the river Acheron. The sun was just rising, making the water glitter and the clouds glow orange. The cool morning air smelled of honeysuckle. Hazel was holding hands with Frank on her left, Nico on her right. They were all alive and mostly whole. The sunlight in the trees was the most beautiful thing she'd ever seen. 
She wanted to live in that moment. Free of monsters and gods and evil spirits. Then her friends friends began to stir. Nico realized that he was holding Percy's hand and quickly let go. Leo staggered backward. You know, I think I'll sit down. He collapsed. The others joined him. The Ark of the Second still floated over the river a few hundred yards away. Hazel knew that they should signal Coach Hedge and tell them they were alive. Had they been in the temple all night? Or several nights? But at the moment, the group was too tired to do anything except sit and relax and marvel at the fact that they were okay. They began to exchange stories. Frank explained what had happened with the ghost, ghostly legion and the army of monsters. How Nico had used the scepter of Diocletian and how bravely Jason and Piper had fought. Frank is being modest, Jason said. He controlled the entire legion. You should have seen him. Oh, by the way, Jason glanced at Percy. I resigned my office and gave Frank a field promotion to Praetor, unless you want to contest that ruling. Percy grinned. No argument here. Praetor? Hazel stared at Frank. He shrugged uncomfortably. Well, yeah. I know it seems weird. She tried to throw her arms around him, then winced as she remembered her busted ribs. She settled for kissing him. It seems perfect. Leo clapped Frank on the shoulder. Way to go, Zang! Now you can order Octavian to fall on his sword. Tempting, Frank agreed. He turned apprehensively to Percy. But you guys, Tartarus has to be the real story. What happened down there? How did you... Percy laced his fingers through Annabeth's. Hazel happened to glance at Nico and saw pain in his eyes. She wasn't sure, but maybe he was thinking how lucky Percy and Annabeth were to have each other. Nico had gone through Tartarus alone. We'll tell you the story, Percy promised, but not yet okay. I'm not yet. I'm not ready to remember that place. No, Annabeth agreed. Right now, she gazed toward the river and faltered. Uh... I think our right is coming. Hazel turned. The Argo the Second veered to port, its aerial oars in motion. Its sails catching the wind, Festus's head glinted in the sunlight. Even from a distance, Hazel could hear him creaking and clanking in jubilation. That's my boy! Leo yelled. As the ship got closer, Hazel saw Coach Head standing at the prow. About time! The coach yelled down. He was doing his best to scowl, but his eyes gleamed as if maybe, just maybe, he was happy to see them. What took you so long, cupcakes? You keep your visitor waiting. Visitor? Hazel murmured. At the rail next to Coach Edge, a dark-haired girl appeared wearing a purple cloak. Her face so covered with soot and bloody scratches that Hazel almost didn't recognize her. Reyna had arrived. And that's the end of chapter 76. What a very beautiful chapter, indeed. But also very heart-wrenching as well. We saw a lot of emotions in this. Not just Hazel's, but we saw a little bit of Nico's as well. And we saw a little bit of how Frank, Hazel, Piper, Leo, everybody was feeling. And it was such a very complicated time because Percy and Annabeth are coming back from Tartarus. And they're almost, they're practically, their soul has been taken away from them. So it will take some time before it's returned back to them. And until then, it's... They're very. You can see that they're 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 not going to be in it. They're not going to be very. They're going to be very out of it. They're not going to be able to process anything because of this entire 
all the struggle that they've gone through. But that's not to say that it's the same. It's not the same. That's not to say that it's not the same for the rest of of the people. They've gone through their fair share. And we can see with Hazel how, you know, with moments like these, demigods, no matter what, always struggle with these insecurities because they always want to be the best. They want to strive to be the best. And yet again, Hazel is a perfect example of this. But we, I hope that she's at least able to reach that level of acceptance so that, you know, it's much more, much more confident in how she, in how she, performs overall that is not to say that she isn't confident already but i think that with hazel and other demigods in general if they are able to believe in their abilities and that you slowly start at giving those self-affirmations that they are good great people just as they are the fact that they're even fighting on behalf of the gods is is an honor so i think that these demigods they really do suffer from you know, these types of insecurities. But that's what makes books like this written by Rick Riordan so beautiful because you get to see that development and you get to see how well these people are able to take that in. So yeah, Uh, after the break, we'll read chapters 77 and 78 and we'll end off with a Q&A session. So see you then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back from the break. And now we're going to read chapter 77, Percy. Percy stared at the Athena Parthenos, waiting for it to strike him down. Leo's new mechanical hoist system had lowered the statue onto the hillside with surprising ease. Now the 40-foot-tall goddess gazed serenely over the river Acheron, her gold dress like molten metal in the sun. Incredible, Raina admitted. She was still red-eyed from crying. Soon after she'd landed on the Argo II, her pegasus, Scipio, had collapsed, overwhelmed by poison claw marks from a griffin attack the night before. Reyna had put the horse out of his misery with her golden knife, turning the pegasus into dust that scattered in the sweet-smelling Greek air. Maybe not a bad end for a flying horse, but Reyna had lost a loyal friend. Percy figured that she'd given up too much in her life already. The praetor circled the Athena Parthenos warily. It looks nearly made. Yeah, Leo said. We brushed off the cobwebs, used a little Windex. That wasn't hard. The Arthur second hovered just overhead. With Festus keeping watch for threats on the radar, the entire crew had decided to eat lunch on the hillside while they discussed what to do. After the last few weeks, Percy figured they'd earned a good meal together. Really anything that wasn't firewater or Dracon meat soup. Hey, Reyna, Annabeth called. Have some food. Join us. The praetor glanced over, her dark eyes furrowed as if join us didn't quite compute. Percy had never seen Reyna without her armor before. It was on board the ship, being repaired by Buford the Wonder Table. She wore a pair of jeans and a purple camp Jupiter t-shirt and looked almost like a normal teenager, except for the knife at her belt and that guarded expression like she was ready for an attack from any direction. All right, she settled finally. 
They scooted over to make room for her in the circle. She sat cross-legged next to Annabeth, picked up a cheese sandwich, and nibbled at the edge. So, Raina said, Frank Zhang, Praetor. Frank shifted, wiping crumbs from his chin. Well, yeah, field promotion. To lead a different legion, Raina noted. A legion of ghosts. Hazel put her arm protectively through Frank's. After an hour in sick bay, they both looked a lot better, but Percy could tell they weren't sure what to think about their old boss from Camp Jupiter dropping in for lunch. Raina, Jason said, you should have seen him. He was amazing, Piper agreed. Frank is a leader, Hazel insisted. He makes a great praetor. Raina's eyes stayed on Frank, like she was trying to guess his weight. I believe you, she said. I approve. Frank blinked. You do? Raina smiled dryly. A son of Mars, the hero who helped bring to bring back the eagle. I can work with a demigod like that. I'm just wondering how to convince the twelfth Fulminata. Frank scowled. Yeah, I've been wondering the same thing. Percy still couldn't get over how much Frank had changed. A growth spurt was putting in mildly. He was at least three inches taller, less pudgy, and more bulky. Like a linebacker. His face looked sturdier, his jawline more rugged. It was as if Frank had turned into a bull and then back to human, but get some of the bullishness. The Legion will listen to you, Reyna, Frank said. You made it here alone, across the ancient lands. Brayden chewed her sandwich as if it were cardboard. In doing so, I broke the laws of the Legion. Caesar broke the law when he crossed the Rubicon, Frank said. Great leaders have to think outside the box sometimes. She shook her head. I'm not Caesar. After finding Jason's note in Diocletian's palace, tracking you down was easy. I only did what I thought was necessary. Percy couldn't help but smiling. Freyna, you're too modest, flying halfway across the world by yourself to answer Annabeth's plea. Because you knew it was our best chance for peace, that's pretty freaking heroic. Brina shrugged. Says the demigod who fell into Tartarus and found his way back. He had help, Annabeth said. Oh, obviously, Raina said. Without you, I doubt Percy could find his way out of a paper bag. True, Annabeth agreed. Hey, Percy complained. And the others started laughing, but Percy didn't mind. It felt good to see them smile. Heck, just being in the mortal world felt good. Breathing unpoisonous air, enjoying actual sunshine on his back. Suddenly, he thought of Bob. Tell the sun and stars hello for me. Percy's smile melted. Bob and Domison had sacrificed their lives so Percy and Annabeth could sit here now, enjoying the sunlight and laughing with their friends. It wasn't fair. Leo pulled a tiny screwdriver from his tool belt. He stabbed chocolate-covered strawberry and passed it on to Coach Hedge. Then he pulled out another screwdriver and speared in a second strawberry for himself. So, the $20 million peso question, Leo said. We got this slightly used 40-foot-tall statue of Athena. What do we do with it? Raina squinted at the Athena Parthenos. As fine as it looks on this hill, I didn't come all this way to admire it. According to Annabeth, it must be returned to Camp Hathwood by a Roman leader. Do I understand correctly? Annabeth nodded. I had a dream down in, you know, 
Tartarus. I was on Half-Blood Hill and Athena's voice said, I must stand here. The Roman must bring me. Percy studied the statue uneasily. He never had the best relationship with Annabeth's mom. He kept expecting Big Mama's statue to come alive and chew him out for getting her daughter into so much trouble. Or maybe just step on him without a word. It makes no sense, Nico said. Percy flinched. It almost sounded like Nico had read his mind and was agreeing that Athena should step on him. The son of Hades sat on the other end of the circle, eating nothing but half a pomegranate, the fruit of the underworld, Percy wondered. That was Nico's idea of a joke. The statue is a powerful symbol, Nico said. A Roman returning it to the Greeks. That could heal the historic rift, maybe even heal the gods of their split personalities. Coach had swallowed a strawberry along with half the screwdriver. Now hold on, I like peace as much as the next satyr. You hate peace, Leo said. The point is, Valdez, we're only, what, a few days from Athens? We got an army of giants waiting for us there. We went to all the trouble of saving the statue. I went through most of the trouble, Annabeth reminded him. Because that's prophecy called it the giant bane, the coach continued. So why are we taking it to Athens with us? It's obviously our secret weapon. The idea Athena part of this. It looks like a ballistic missile to me. Maybe Valdez strapped some engines to it. Piper cleared her throat. <coughs> ah, great idea, Coach, but a lot of us have had dreams and visions of Gaia rising at Camp Half-Blood. She unsheathed her dagger Cadopterus and set it on her plate. At the moment, the blade showed nothing except sky, but looking at it made Percy uncomfortable. Since we got back to the ship, Piper said, I've been seeing some bad stuff in the knife. The Roman legion is almost within striking distance of Camp Half-Blood. They're gathering reinforcements, spirits, eagles, wolves. Octavian, Rena growled. I told him to wait. When we take over command, Frank suggested, our first order of business should be to load Octavian into the nearest catapult and fire him up as far away as possible, agreed, Rana said. But for now, he's intent on war, Annabeth put in. He'll have to. He'll have it. Unless we stop him. Piper turned the blade of her knife. Unfortunately, that's not the worst of it. I saw images of a possible future. The camp in flames, Roman and Greek demigods lying dead, and... Gaia. Percy remembered the god Tartarus in physical form, looming over him. He never felt such helplessness and terror. He still burned with shame, remembering how his sword had slipped out of his hand. You might as well try to kill the earth, Tartarus had said. If Gaia was that important, she had an army of giants at her side. Percy didn't see how seven demigods could stop her, especially when... Most of the gods were incapacitated. They had to stop the giants before Gaia woke. Or it was game over. If the Athena Parthenos was a secret weapon, taking it to Athens was pretty tempting. Heck, Percy kind of liked it when, with the coach's idea of using it as a missile and setting Gaia up in a nuclear cod mushroom cloud. 
Unfortunately, his gut told him that Annabeth was right. The statue belonged back on Long Island, where it might be able to stop between the war of the two camps. So, Raina takes the statue, Percy said, and we continue on to Athens. Neither shrugged. Cool with me, but a few pesky logistical problems. We got what? Two weeks until that Rome feast when Gaia is supposed to rise? The Feast of Spes, Jason said. That's on the 1st of August. Today is July 18th, Frank offered. So yeah, from tomorrow, exactly 14 days. Hazel winced. It took us 18 days to get from Rome to here. A trip that should have only taken two or three days max. So given our unusual luck, Leo said, Maybe we have enough time to get the Ark of the Second Day Athens, find the giant, and stop them from waking Gaia. Maybe, but how is Reyna supposed to get this massive statue back to camp? Have blood before the Greeks and Romans put each other through the blender? She doesn't have her Pegasus anymore. Uh, sorry. Fine, Reyna snapped. She might be treating them like allies rather than enemies, but Percy could tell Reyna he still had a not-so-soft spot for Leo. Probably because he'd blown up her half the form in New York, New Rome. She took a deep breath. <sighs> Unfortunately, Leo is correct. I don't see how I can transport something so large. I was assuming, well... No, I was hoping you would all have an answer. The labyrinth. Hazel said. I mean, if Pacifist really has opened it, and I think she has, she looked at Percy apprehensively. Well, you said the labyrinth could take you anywhere, so maybe... No, Percy and Annabeth spoke in unison. Not to shoot you down, Hazel, Percy said. It's just... He struggled to find the right words. How could he describe the labyrinth to someone who never explained it? Daedalus had created it to be a living growing maze over the centuries it spread like the roots of a tree onto the entire surface of the world sure it could take you anywhere distance inside was meaningless you could enter the maze in new york walk 10 feet and exit the maze in, no, in, in... otherwise the lava would trick you and try to kill you at even a turn when the tunnel network collapsed after daedalus died Percy had been relieved. The idea that the maze was regenerating itself, honeycombing its way under the earth again and again, providing a safe, spacious space and new home for monsters. That didn't make him happy. He had enough problems already. For one thing, he said, the passages in the labyrinth are way too small for the Athenoparthenos. There's no chance you could take it down there. And even if the maze is reopening, Annabeth continued, we don't know what it will be like if it was dangerous enough before. Under Daedalus' control, and he wasn't evil. If Pasiphae had remade the labyrinth the way she wanted, she shook her head. Hazel, maybe your underground senses can guide Reyna through, but no one else would stand a chance and we need you here. Besides, if you're lost down there. You're right, Hazel said glumly. Never mind. Raina cast her eyes around the group. Other ideas? I could go, Frank offered. 
not sounding very happy about it. If I'm a predator, I should go. Maybe we could rig some sort of sled. No, Frank Zank. Reyna gave him a weary smile. I hope we'll work side by side in the future, but for now, your place is within the crew of the ship. You are one of the seven of the prophecy. No, I'm not. Every stopped, er, everybody stopped eating. Percy stared across the circle at Nico, trying to decide if he was joking. Hazel sat down her fork. Nico, I'll go with Reyna, he said. I can transport the statue with shadow travel. Uh... Percy raised his hand. I mean, I know you just got all eight of us to the surface, and that was awesome, but a year ago, you said transporting just yourself was dangerous and unpredictable. A couple of times, you ended up in China. Transporting a 40-foot statue and two people halfway across the world. I've changed since I came back from Tartarus. Nico's eyes glittered with anger. More intensely than Percy understood, he wondered if he'd done something to offend the guy. Nico, Jason intervened. We're not questioning your power. We just want to make sure you don't kill yourself trying. I can do it, he insisted. I'll make short jumps a few hundred miles each time. It's true. After each jump, I won't be in any shape to fend off monsters. I'll need Reyna to fend me and the statue. Reyna had an excellent poker face. She studied the group, scanning their faces, but betraying none of her own thoughts. Any objections? No one spoke. Very well, she said. With the finality of a judge, if she had a gavel, Percy suspected the show would have banged it. I see no better operation, but there will be many monster attacks. I would feel better taking a third person. That's the optimal number for a quest. Coach Hedge, Frank blurted out. Percy stared at him, but not sure what he said correctly. Uh, what, Frank? The coach is the best choice, Frank said. The only choice. He's a good fighter. He's a certified protector. He'll get the job done. Afon, Rena said. Sater! Barked the coach. And yeah, I'll go besides. When you get to Camp Apple, you need someone with connections and diplomatic school with skills to keep the Greeks from attacking you. Just let me go make a call. Or, uh, I mean, get my baseball ball back. He got up and shot Frank an unspoken message that Percy couldn't quite read. Despite the fact that he just volunteered for a likely suicide mission, the coach looked grateful. He jogged off toward the ship's ladder, tapping his hooves together like an excited kid. Nico rose. I should go too, and rest before the first passage. We'll meet at the statue at sunset. Once he was gone, Hazel frowned. He's acting strangely. I'm not sure what he's thinking this through. You'll be okay, Jason said. I hope you're right. She passed her hand over the ground. Diamonds broke the surface, a glittering milky way of stones. We're at another crossroads. The Athena Parthenos goes west. The other second goes east. I hope we choose correctly. Percy wished he could say something encouraging, but he felt unsettled. Despite all they'd been through and all the battles they'd won, they still seemed no closer to defeating Gaia. Sure, they released Thanatos they'd close the doors of death. At least now they could kill monsters and make them stay in Tartarus for a while. But the giants were back. All the giants. One thing bothers me, he said. If the Feast of Spes is in two weeks and Gaia needs the blood of two demigods to wake, what did Clidius call it? The blood of Olympus? Then what are we doing exactly what Gaia wants, heading to Athens? If we don't go and she can't sacrifice any of us, doesn't that mean we can't wake up fully? Ambit took his hand. 
He drank at the sight of her now that they were back in the mortal world without the death mist. Her blonde hair catching the sunlight, even though she was still thin and wan, 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 like him. And her grave eyes were stormy with thought. Percy, prophecy is cut both ways. If we don't go, we may lose our best and only chance to stop her. Athens is where our battle lies. We can't avoid it. Besides, trying to thwart prophecies never works. Gaia could capture us somewhere else and spill all the blood to other demigods. Yeah, you're right, Percy said. I don't like it, but you're right. The mood of the group became as gloomy as Tartarus air, until Piper broke the tension. Well, she sheathed, she sheathed her blade, put out her cornucopia. Good picnic! Who wants dessert? That's the end of chapter 77. We have one more chapter to go, but overall, this is a very, very fascinating way to go about everything. I think that in regards to Percy, I think it's much more, this last chapter was much more of a focus on the other characters, and I'm not complaining because it's very important to see how they've grown ever since they were the beginning, ever since Percy met Frank and Hazel, and ever since Jason met, you know, Pedicure, or to get our nails done, it's two very drastic different things. So I think that this is very interesting overall and that it's going to be a great time. So yeah, we're going to finish this off with chapter 78, Percy, and we'll move on to the Q&A session right after the break. At sunset, Percy found Nico tying ropes around the pedestal of the Athena Parthenos. Thank you, Percy said. Nico frowned. What for? You promised to lead the others to the house of Hades, Percy said. You did it. Nico tied the ends of the rope together, making a halter. You got me out of that bronze jar in Rome. Saved my life again. It was the least I could do. His voice was steely, guarded. Percy wished he could figure out what made his guide tick, but he'd never been able to. Nico was no longer the geeky kid from Westover Hall with the mythomagic cards. Nor was he the angry loner who followed the ghost of Minos throughout the labyrinth. But who was he? Also, Percy said, you visited Bob... He told Nico about their trip through Tartarus. Figured if anyone could understand, Nico could. You convinced Bob that I could ne- be trusted, even though I never trusted him? I never gave him a second thought. You probably saved our lives by being nice to him. Yeah, well, Nico said, not giving up people a second thought? That can be dangerous. Dude, I'm trying to say thank you. Nico laughed without humor. I'm trying to say you don't need to. Now I need to finish this. If you could give me some space. Yeah, yeah, okay. Percy stepped back while Nico took up the slack on his ropes. He slipped them on over his shoulders as if the Athena Parthenos was a giant backpack. Percy couldn't help feeling a little hurt. Being told to take a hike, then again, Nico had been through a lot. The guy had survived in Tartarus on his own. Percy understood firsthand just as much strength that must have taken. Abbott walked up the hill to join them. She took Percy's hand, which made him feel better. Good luck, she told Nico. Yeah, he didn't meet her eyes. You too. A minute later, Reyna and Coach Hedge arrived in full armor with packs over their shoulders. Reyna looked grim and ready for combat. Coach Hedge grinned like he was expecting a surprise party. Reyna gave Annabeth a hug. We will succeed. She promised. I know you will, Annabeth said. Coach Hedge shouldered his baseball bat. Yeah, don't worry. I'm going to get to camp and see my baby. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to get this baby to camp. He patted the leg of the Athena Parthenos. All right, said Nico. Grab the ropes, please. Here we go. 
Reyna and Hedge took hold. The air darkened. The Athena Parthenos collapsed into its shadow and disappeared, along with three escorts. The other second sailed after nightfall. They veered southwest until they reached the coast and splashed down in the Ionian Sea. Perseus was relieved to feel the waves beneath him again. It would have been a shorter trip to Athens overland, but after the crew's experience with mountain spirits in Italy, they decided not to fly over Gaia's territory any more than they had to. They would sail around the Greek mainland, following the routes that Greek heroes had taken in the ancient times. That was fine with Percy. He loved being back in his father's element. The fresh sea air in his lungs and the salty spray on his arms, he stood at the stair of starboard rail and closed his eyes, sensing the currents beneath him, them. But images of Tartarus kept burning in his mind, the river Phlegathon, the blistered ground where monsters regenerated. The dark forest where a ride circled overhead and the blood mist clouds, most of all, he thought about a hump hut in the swamp, with a warm fire and rags of drying herbs and a dracon jerky. He wondered if that hut was empty now. Ameth pressured him next to him at the rail, her warmth reassuring. I know, she murmured, reading her expression. I can't get that place out of my head either. Domison, Percy said. And Bob. I know. Her voice was fragile. We have to make sure that their sacrifice worth it. We have to beat Gaia. Percy stared into the night sky. He wished they were looking at it from the beach on the Long Island, rather than half, from halfway around the world, sailing toward almost certain death. He wondered where Nico, Reyna, and Hedge were now, and how long it would take them to make it back, assuming they survived. He imagined the Romans drawing up battle lines right now, encircling Camp Half-Blood. Fourteen days to reach Athens, and one way or another the war would be decided. Over the ba- In the bow, Leah whistled happily as he tinkered with Festus's mechanical brain muttering something about a crystal and a astral leap. Amidships, Piper and Hazel practiced their swordplay, gone with gold and bronze m- blades ringing in the night. Jason and Frank stood at the helm, talking in low tones, maybe telling stories of the Legion or sharing thoughts on being Praetor. We've got a good crew, Percy said. If I have to sail to my death. You're not dying on me, seaweed brain, Nanobit said. Remember, never separated again. And after we get home... What? Percy asked. She kissed me. She kissed him. Ask me again. Once we defeat Gaia. He smiled, happy to have something to look forward to. Whatever you say. As they sailed farther from the coast, the sky darkened and the more stars came out. Percy studied the constellations, the ones Annabeth had taught him so many years ago. Bob says hello, he told the stars. The Argo II sailed into the night. And that's the end of our book. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of the House of Hades. Wow. What a phenomenal book. This was potentially one of the most nerve-wracking books I think I've read so far in this series. I mean, the amount of torture that Annabeth and Percy go through while being in Tartarus, it's even scary to think about as you get goosebumps on your arms and everywhere. And I think that definitely happened to me as I was reading that that experience. It was, at times, it was almost very certain that they weren't going to make it because of how bad the conditions were there, for demigods at least. So I think that this overall, this this book, this chapter, has brought so much character development to so many characters that we may not have understood that well in previous chapters. 
And I think that this pinnacle point of Leo meeting Calypso is really going to prove a lot of importance to self-esteem in a whole. He's always been that seventh wheel, thinking, when am I going to ever find my, my soulmate, my person? And finally, it seems that Calypso might be the one for him. So I think that there were so many iconic moments in this book that deserve to be, I guess, remembered in a way. So I definitely, uh, I definitely loved this book as a whole. And yeah, I would like to thank you guys for listening to this. And I do want to apologize for uploading so late. I know that usually I upload on the weekends and I am a few days late and I really apologize for that. Um, I do want to say that I do, I do want, I, I am going to take a one week break. So that means I won't upload this weekend, but I will upload uh, next weekend. And the reason is I think that I would like to spend some time on myself and be able to care for myself. And I think that it's important for everybody to do this, to be able to take care of yourselves and to know when your body wants to take a rest, when it wants to lie down and just sleep. And sometimes that's okay. That's okay to sleep. It's okay to take a rest when you've been working so hard and playing so hard. So yeah. That is the end of our chapters. So now we're going to move on to the Q&A session. And once again, if I miss your name or if I miss your uh, your question, I will try my best to get it in the next episode. However, I do want to put a disclaimer that sometimes I will not answer some questions because I believe they're a bit too personal. Um, for me, at least at the moment. That's nothing on you guys. Uh, it's just something that I feel at the moment. But yeah, hopefully in the future, fingers crossed, I'll be able to share some information with you guys. But yeah, let's move on to the shoutouts. We've got Giselle, Lenny, Ali Mumford, Nico D'Angelo, and Luco. Luca. Thank you very thank you guys very much. Moving on to our next uh, our questions. Are you gonna read Blood of Olympus after Heroes of Olympus? Yes. What point of view do you want in the next book? Um I haven't seen a lot of first person perspective ever since Lightning Thief and potentially Sea of Monsters. It was such a dramatic change in perspective. And it was kind of interesting to see in a way as well. So I do hope that they bring back the first person perspective because it really helps us enlighten and live through those experiences as readers. Uh, Next question is, who do you think is more likely to die, Leo or Jason? See, if I remember correctly, Jason made a promise to Piper saying that he will protect her. He gives her like, you know, until he dies, he's gonna protect her no matter what. And I feel that's such a strong intuition that he's probably going to be the one that claims that spot of protecting her until he's gone. So it's going to be extremely fascinating to see if this prediction in a way will turn out the way it's, it does. Or if it turns out to be Leo who passes, who, who, who is gone, I'll be, I'll definitely be a bit sad. But um, yeah. Fingers crossed, though. I'm really hoping that both of them survive. Maybe it's someone. Maybe it's a. It's another giant that just, you know, one day he's just gone, which would make it easier for, for the rest of the gang. Uh, next question is, favorite character other than the Seven and Nico? Um, most likely, I would probably say Grover or Coach Hedge. Uh, reason being is their, their comedy along with Leo's they're the three the the is just them three together you know they've got the jokes they've got the humor they've just you know it's it's amazing and i love it um 
sorry, those two, not those three, <laughs> those two, Coach Hedge and, you know, Grover. I think Grover has this uh, kind of aura to him that just, you know, it it shows that he's a little bit afraid, but also emanates a bit of bravery on the inside. It's such a, he's such a great character. I just, I just love Leo and Coach Hedge. Um, next question is, does the, pa- does the Patreon give any special privileges? Unfortunately, not at the moment. Um, it's also why I don't uh, like pushing you guys so much because um, at the moment I don't give anything. So it's more of a general support kind of thing, which is why it's completely optional. I'm not forcing anybody to donate to, you know, participate in the Patreon. It's completely up to you. But I would like to say I truly appreciate you guys for being able to, you know, help me out just by listening to this podcast forget about patreon just by listening to this podcast you guys are really really you know making me feel real good on the inside um next question would gods or demigods win if they i believe that they went against each other in a battle i think the problem with demigods and gods is that they stand a fair chance but they would lose reason being is gods are gods you know they've got the utmost amount of power the utmost amount of you know just ability to do anything they could crush uh, demigods under the 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 tip of their finger basically and i think that the reason why i say that demigods stand a fair chance is because they have they would have a common goal a common mindset that would you know push them towards defeating these gods which is why i would say they have a fair chance against these gods uh next question is which character has the biggest strength or flaw I would probably say, let's see, I think the fact that Piper and Hazel both underestimate their abilities so much is, I believe to me, a flaw, but it is such a huge strength with what they have, with with what Hazel has and what, what Piper has. The ability that those two have combined is immaculate. It's insane. It's so cool. So I think that their insecurities do hold them back a little bit. And I think that once they're able to let those go, they are going to be able to be unstoppable as a whole. Uh, Next question is, do you play Pokemon Go? No, I don't. Uh, Next question is, favorite dessert? Um, Probably cinnamon rolls. Uh, Next question is, would you rather use Backbite, Riptide, or Jason's first sword? Uh, probably Riptide, Celestial Bronze all the way. Uh, favorite, be- or Celestial Bronze, held by Percy. Favorite video game or board game? Um, I'd probably say Monopoly. Monopoly is pretty fun. Uh, next question is, can you speak Greek or Chinese or English? Uh, I cannot speak Greek or Chinese, but I can speak English. Uh, next question is, are you excited for the Percy Jackson show? Um, I am. I am. I I am curious to see how they're going to play out with the cinematics and everything. You know, um, I do remember there were some strong feelings about the movies that were released a couple of years ago. So hopefully it doesn't live up to that expectation for most people. I hope a lot of people are happy with it just as much as I hopefully will be, you know, pretty proud of that whole show. Next question is, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Um, that concludes our Q&A session and shout-out session. Thank you guys for listening. And once again, um, next week I'll be taking a break. And then the week after, I will come back with an episode. We will start our new book, The Blood of Olympus. So, hope you guys enjoyed that. And until 
Until two weeks, stay safe and stay out of boredom.